y'all. Welcome back. I am I'm so excited right now because we've actually had this guy on once before. And, I mean, dude, I'll just be honest with you, man. When we talked to you originally, I was planning on talking to you about, like, running a small business uh, and, you know, and that kind of stuff. But, like, we left turned into some some topics nearer to, like, the, to the end or whatever with just kind of your – I don't want to say struggle, but I, I think it's something we can all relate to. But your, you know, diving into the God stuff. So, honestly, I, I'm just glad to have you back, brother, and, and hope you're willing to open up about the God stuff. Uh, everybody, welcome Tanner Vaughn. Welcome back. But, yeah, bro, are, are you willing to do just like a, like a God episode? I'm willing to do a conversation with a buddy anytime. I don't really care much on the, the particular topic. So, any open door Thank I you, get man. to have a conversation with an old friend, I'm going to take advantage of it. Oh, man, I, I love to hear it. Uh, well, Vance was supposed to be with us, as I just told you. He, even though we planned this weeks ago, just checked his schedule today and can't make it. And uh, E, Eric Herring, uh, my normal co-host. I love you, brother. I hope you feel better. He, uh, you know, whatever it is. So I actually had a couple of, like, little weird games we were going to play, but it, it definitely requires four people. So this one's going to be more just diving in, man. Let's yeah. just start. He- let's start here. Were you, like, Christian to, to the letter of the law? back in high school, you know, many, many years ago, would you, looking back, would you call yourself, you know, the standard, I don't know if that's, but the standard Christian? No, I don't think so, man. I, this is a hard topic to delve into in any sort of abbreviated fashion, just because there's so much nuance to it. But I, mm. the traditional, um, I guess by the letter of the law form of Christianity, I think you have to get into a position where you're owning that for yourself because you've reached that conclusion that it's the path you want to pursue. And I'm not sure. Well, I can't speak for anybody else. I can speak for myself. When I was 15, 16, 17 years old and well beyond then, I didn't have much of an opinion about anything that I had reached on my own. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like a, you know, I was raised in in private schools. I was raised in churches. I was raised going to church camp and Awanas and, and sort of the full kit of things you would do as a young Christian. But I don't I don't look back at that time and think that I drifted away from some firmly held belief in, in God or in Christ. I think I just maybe it's just because I'm a conscientious person. I was just I was raised to believe this way and this is the gospel truth of the way you should live your life and as a young man you don't really build up the courage to even question that at at the age that we were at 15 16 17 at least i didn't Does that makes i would possibly oh 100 percent. that makes sense and i would i would potentially add that some of the adults or teachers around us warned us against and pushed us away from the idea of questioning uh, I, I remember specifically being told, you know, it, it, don't question God's will or it, don't don't question the Bible. That kind. Of, I remember having heard that, and I will give. I'm going to give credit just because I don't know for a fact. I think the people that were saying that meant well, whether yeah. or not that was correct or the right thing, I don't know. But I, I will give them. I, I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt that I, I think they meant well. But to your point, I, I don't remember questioning it as a teenager at all. Yeah. I was early twenties when I started to, you know, whatever. Same, same thing for you. I think mine may, may have even been later than that, BK. I, I, I think. So I heard a quote when I was probably mid twenties. I would say twenty four, twenty five. It was right after I got married, and I heard a quote actually from a preacher at the time. And I, I believe it's a Jefferson quote. I should have looked this up because it was sort of my first my first foray back towards the concept of God and trying to ask that question for myself. And it was I believe it was Jefferson writing to a friend of his son, if I'm not getting that wrong. And it, the the young man he was mentoring had asked him a question about his belief in God. And I, this is all a paraphrase because I don't remember the quote off the top of my head, but it was something along the lines of, on the topic of God, you know, I, I, I don't know for sure, but be there a God, he must certainly prefer honest questioning to blindfolded fear. Or it was, I think it was like the homage of reason to blindfolded fear. And that was the first time that I had this sort of mental pivot of, 
okay, if I do come at this topic with questions, you know, if there, if there is such a thing as a God who created the universe, surely he would want a person to reach the conclusion that he is worth following because they question it and had an honest thing, an honest inquiry into why they believed what they believed than to just cover their eyes and say, okay, I believe that because that's the way I was raised. Hmm. The idea that God wouldn't want ignorant followers is, I like that. That's new to me at least, but that is refreshing from a, from the more closed off concept that I've you know, as a youth believed in, they yeah. never questioned me. Very kingly dictatorship is, is how I remember. Like you, you never questioned the, the, but this version, I like this version. I mean, just believing that God, like, the more we do these conversations, the more I do the, or whatever, it, the more I'm trying to frame a, a picture of a God that I would want. And that mm. is certainly a tenant. It, it, if, I mean, I do think there is, I don't know, but if there is, I would want a God that rewards judgment and, and following your own logic as opposed to yeah. blind faith. Yeah, man, I think that's, that's right. Awesome. I, I think anybody with an intellectual curiosity has a very tough time with dogma in general. Dude. Like the, the moment you wrap dogma around a position where it's like, this is what I believe and on any topic, not just the topic. Anything. Doesn't matter This what. is what I believe, and it's gospel truth, and anything that runs counter to that you put it in a bucket and I'm not even going to acknowledge that it exists for somebody that's intellectually honest and, and is constantly questioning things and, and trying to make them better and trying to have their own opinions. You would look at a topic like God, which is in some sense, the biggest topic you can ponder. And the moment dogma enters that equation for an intellectual person, you just go, eh, like, no, I don't, I'm not going to believe in your side of it. If you're telling me that it's, for sure the truth, but you can't articulate how you reach that conclusion, right? Dude, dude, the the idea that I'm supposed to believe anything blindly when you can't even provide logic, whoever you may be in this context. That's right. That's, that's I mean, that's insanity. That, and But I think that's what's pushing the slow decline of uh, all religions worldwide because of, you know, looking into this for the last couple of weeks or whatever, like it, they're on the downslope as far as adults that still believe. And I, I think that's probably yeah. one of the biggest hurdles. I think you're probably right. I, I think that, I think there has been a backfilling of the void that religion left mm. with as much religious zealotry on a topic as a staunch Christian would have. Right. Dude. And if you pick your pick your thing, right? You could say wokeism, you could say staunch conservatism, like that. For a lot of people, the void that their faith left when they abandoned it was just backfilled with another thing that they that they believed in just as adamantly, right? Dude. Either it be it other people. Oh, absolutely. It'd be it friends that you try to just latch on to. Because I remember a couple of friends that I latched on to. Or, I mean, in, in my particular opinion, I filled that void with a lot of booze and a lot of all the rest. Yeah. Uh, it's not even even booze. I'll just say drugs. I'm not going to lie on, on a topic like this. Yeah. Uh, because at least for me, I could feel it. I could see it. I could touch it. It was tangible. And I felt something from it. Now, you know, 16 years later removed, obviously that wasn't the right choice. I'm not going to tell anybody that that's that any whole – growing up, if you genuinely believe there is a, a God, a Jesus, a Christ, a Buddha, a Muhammad, it doesn't matter. If you pick any of them and you genuinely believe there's a, there's a huge deity savior and then you start to question it and realize that maybe there isn't. I think that there's really nothing that's going to fill that void. Yeah. Like it, even if it's even if it's the idea of ministering. I, I have a buddy. I'm not going to say his name because a lot of people listening would know him. He, when he started questioning his own faith, stopped questioning it and started trying to convert as many other people as he could mm. as a way to just like almost just put blinders on, I guess. Yeah. But I think in, in any way, there's nothing that's going to fill it. Did you try to fill yours with anything specific when, when you questioned? Because I want to get to where you are now, but let's start there. Did I fill it with anything specific? I don't, I don't know that I necessarily, well, okay, so let's. I'm 36 now. I got married at 24 and married a, a girl who was raised like I was, you know, in church. She's she's a Christian, never really has gone through any questioning of her faith. Um, she's been a believer since we met, since she was a little girl. And yeah. 
probably a couple years into marriage was when I just started to question everything. It wasn't necessarily questioning my faith. It was questioning my direction in life in, in general. And where I sort of, I probably grappled with a dozen topics or a dozen firmly held beliefs that I thought I had before I reached the topic of God. Cause that, like mm -hmm. I said, that in some sense, that is the, that is the, the existential topic is whether or not you were created or you evolved. And there were a lot of topics that I kind of needed to reach a conclusion on first, if, if for no other reason, but to build those muscles of like, okay, how do I Dude. identify something that I think is a firmly held belief that maybe I haven't questioned? How do I unpack it? How do I trace my own history and how I arrived at that conclusion? And then how do I start over and build something on a foundation that I actually am creating myself? That's not just like a, you know, I, I, I believe this because my boss told me to believe it. You know what yeah, I mean? Cause I'm regurgitating somebody else. Yeah, exactly. And to me, so I, I have this character trait that I'm a justice seeker. Like I, I want, I want things to be right. And I want somebody to be genuine with me. And what I found is my sampling is probably not great, but what I found is that the people in my life that were, the most staunch believers and I'm air quoting believers mm -hmm. to my even young self didn't register to me as genuine. There was a little bit of, it was a little contrived even to a younger version of me. It was like, ah, I don't know that I fully believe that you really believe this. It kind of sounds to me like you're spitting out some stuff that you heard the preacher say. And it, when you're, in your teens or your early twenties, you haven't built, I hadn't built the sort of rapport with my elders to be able to have those like honest, open intellectual discussions about things that I doubted they even believed. So it really wasn't until mid to late twenties that I, I just had developed enough courage in questioning my own beliefs. And then Actually, probably even later than that, Joe, probably even in my early 30s, finally got to this wow. point where I realized, OK, I've I've questioned all of these things, but I still haven't really questioned the one deep topic. And I probably that's probably something that I need to have a better opinion on that I've actually reached myself before I go raise kids, <laughs> you know, and try to tell them my, some truth. Yeah. Yeah. Or just build a family around some foundational principles. So did you know you were working towards, you know, the, the big God question as the end game when you were starting off with the more simple, not simple, but starting off with the more, I guess we'll call them base layers, whatever. Did you know that you were working towards the big question or was this just kind of, you know, just, just, it happened. I think it just happened. I, I think I, I think I probably in the back of my mind knew that there was this topic that I had never really unpacked fully, but it was just, sort of an off limits thing or even not even off limits. It was just kind of like, well, even if I don't believe that fully, it at least gives me a framework for how to live. So it's positive in that respect. And I don't have to mess mm -hmm. with it. Which to be fair is true. I'm not yeah. against most of most religions, the tenets of what they have, they're almost all the same and they're almost all positive. Like there's, there's no problem with that. The issue that, that I tend to grapple with that I guess everybody does is, is, is it possible to have those tenants without a deity? Mm. Is it possible to be just good people? Is it possible to just be kind to your neighbor and, and treat others the way you want to be treated? Does that require a deity? And I'm not, I'm not even pushing towards is there or isn't there. I'm just saying is morality, does that require a maker? And I, I mean, I, I've come to the conclusion that it doesn't, that doesn't dissuade my own opinion that I still think there is a deity yeah. of some kind or something, but I, I personally don't think it requires one. Do you? For me personally or for the population as a whole? Those are probably two different <laughs> answers. Two and very I, different questions. Okay, so let, let's start with the latter there. For the population as a whole, I, I think that by and large, the majority of people, I mean, let's just start in the state so we're not zooming out too much. Fair. I would I would I would venture a guess that the bulk of people are more interested in just living their day to day life and using like Maslow's hierarchy of needs as a as a reference point. 
most people are living in their physical needs mode and they're not really getting out of that foundational layer. And anybody that's able to get out of that foundational layer and start to pursue their own spiritual needs, you're very fortunate, right? Like, so it's true for people that are, are mired and just getting through the day to day. I think that the belief in a deity gives you a necessary framework. I, I really do. And I, and look, I, I can only speak through my own experience and through my own lens, but in my own lens, you sort of have a fork in the road. One fork would be belief in a deity and having some sort of a structure around that from a scripture that relates to that deity. Right. So you mentioned, say the Quran or or whatever, the Bible, or we use the Bible since it's the most relevant here. So you have that fork in the road you can take and you can build a very clear framework on principles that are already written down. The other fork in the road is it sort of starts with this questioning of whether or not there is a God feeling in your gut that, you know, you've seen some evidence that the people that believed in God around you were actually fake. And so they weren't even believing in the God. So why should you? And then you run down this alternative path of, you know, we started out as cells that evolved into monkeys that found mushrooms that ultimately ended up in humans. And we're just on this tiny little window of time and a vast spectrum of time, man, <laughs> when I go down that road and I've gone a long way down that road, Joe, the only eventual path for me there is nihilism. Wow. Where you end up with this kind of, you know, it's, we're all here by chance anyways, you know, we're, yeah, we were one of whatever hundreds of millions of cells that just ended up fertilizing an egg that ended up becoming a person. And it's all by chance, man, it's really hard for me to not end that whole line of thinking with this realization then that like, well, then why does any of this matter? Cause yeah, it, it gets very dark. I'm going to live for a hundred years. If I'm lucky two generations from now, nobody's going to remember my name. And even if I do great things and I end up in a history book in the grand spectrum of time, that's nothing. So why, like how you end up with a framework with that line of thinking, I haven't found it. It, it. To me, there has to be some acknowledgement of if you look at it, let's, let's back up just a, a touch. If you look at um, something like Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Somebody goes into AA because they're suffering from an addiction that they cannot escape. Like you, you, you've reached that point in your life where you realize I am this thing and either this thing is going to kill me or I'm going to have to commit to something that's going to get me out of it. And that framework, although it's, it, it has a sort of a Christian bent to it, I would argue the version that they, the, the approach they take to this topic of God is just to acknowledge that you're not the most powerful thing in the universe and to acknowledge your higher power for whatever that means for you. And to me, going down the road of we're just here by chance doesn't leave you with a higher order power or a, a law of the universe to abide by that can end you up in a better place than you would have otherwise. Is that too much of a ramble or did you follow that? No, I like that a lot. And it actually, it supports your earlier point when you're talking about Maslow's hierarchy. If for the majority of people and most of which I would even argue it's not their fault. You're either born into poverty or into a situation that you're pretty much stuck. It's the crab bucket theory. But for those people, I mean, and I'm just lucky enough, fortunate enough, you and I both, you know, whatever, we're lucky enough to, to be able to do these questions. If all I had was 60 hours of work all week, every week, I would need a belief in an afterlife to not lose my mind. I, in order to keep doing the monotonous whatever it is, without any type of a, a, a release of, of either mental thought or physical time off, whatever it is. If you don't have that release, I would need a belief that later is better. Right? That would be required. Yeah. But then the, but then to go, the, the next step is where, honestly, it is where I, I, I disagree with you, or at least where we don't come to the same end, because I think it is very possible that it is totally random. I, again, personally don't believe it is. But hmm. even if it is, I am at peace with that in 
the meaning that I have made for myself. Mm. Yeah. And I look at my I look at my kids and I know that even if this is purely random, I will do everything I can always for them and they have meaning. My wife, same thing. There I, I think it is possible even if, which again I don't believe, even if it is purely random and there's no control, there's no you know, power of any kind pushing anything anyway, even if it's totally random luck, I'm okay with that because I can assign my own meaning. But I totally understand how if you take that even further, like you can you can easily get into the darkness. And I've yeah. been there of nothing matters, fuck everything style belief. And that's it's hard to get out of. Admittedly. Yeah, that's the biblical wilderness, right? That's dude, you're dude. you're under the law, you're under the rule of the tyrant, then Exodus happens, then you spend forty years in the wilderness before now you make what? it back to the promised land. Like you talk yeah. about a metaphor for this whole pursuit of what God actually is in your life. Like it's I've spent so much of my last probably 10 years kind of in that wilderness and it, wow. it took pretty, pretty major things happening with having a wife and having kids and starting a business and, you know, building a, a level of responsibility that forced me to reckon with, okay, what are you pursuing here and why are you pursuing it? And why are you to a certain extent, it? man, that this whole conversation starts with, the 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 concept of objectivity versus subjectivity where to me there are things you would have a tough time making an argument that there is not two things opposing each other one of which is objectively better than the other i i think there is such a thing as objective truth or objective mm -hmm. um things that are objectively better than they would be otherwise yeah you, you go down this, the, the path of nihilism and it ends you up with this sort of, well, nothing matters. And yeah, you think it's good that, you know, we live in a capitalistic society and you're rich and this guy over here is poor. And, you know, you think that it's better, but it's ultimately not better for anybody. I mean, I don't I don't think that's the case. I think there are things hmm. that are objectively better about the time that we live in today than 100 years ago. And give you that. because I believe in that object objectivity, when I, when I ponder that path, that fork in the road, only one of those paths to me is worth pursuing because it, it outlines objective truth. The other one leads me to this point where, well, nothing is true. We're here by chance and it's hard for me to not end up nihilistic and not believing that anything's better than anything else. I guess that's where I'm coming from. No, and that's it's tough to refute because honestly, I, I agree in the majority of that. If we if we all accept that there isn't some meaning, and it, the meaning doesn't have to be this. Not everybody has to be the Pope. Not everybody has to be you know like some giant even religious style celebrity. The, people, it, it's okay to just live your life, but the idea that there's no meaning to any of it, it's cold. It's, it's yeah. cold and dark. Well, so you, you hear I, I guess people I talk about you would want to pursue. You hear people talk about their truth, and that's where I think a lot of sort of staunch atheism stops, where they say, "All right, time out." Once you get on this this topic of my truth, you're on shaky ground because what may be true for you is not true for somebody else. So I, I get I get that argument, and I I think where I where I look at this topic of truth, I come from a position of of that objectivity that there are things to me that seem objectively true because of the history we have of let's go back to the Bible as an example, you have this artifact, right? This is actually one of my sort of re-entry points into, into the concept of God or of faith. You have this artifact in the Bible that nobody really contests is thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. Now it was written by men. It was edited by men. Yeah, rewritten. It was compiled and rewritten and translated and all these things by men, all of which were flawed. And so you would be able to make an argument that, well, it's this it's this man-made thing. So why does it have any meaning to it? The problem with that argument is it's one of only a very small handful of artifacts we have that are thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. And so to think that it has survived that long and survived cultures because of naivety 
or or you know superstition man i have a tough time with that joe i i i feel like it has survived that long because there is truth contained in that scripture whether you see it as a metaphorical truth or a literal truth i don't i think that's a separate discussion i think acknowledging the fact that we have this artifact that probably is worth studying and understanding because it has survived all these generations and cultures and you know whole countries coming and going hmm. there's probably more truth in that than there is superstition in that that's my sense of it I like that. What I'm trying to do is trying to think of what Vance would be saying because he was supposed to be here. I can't think of what Eric would be saying because he's just smarter than me. I've never once been able to guess who he's going to go. But yeah. Vance, I'm going to try to guess. I think, and honestly, I do believe part of this, so I'm not even spitting too much bullshit. I think part of the reason that it has existed for so long is that it is an incredible tool to keep the masses under control. Mm. But there are also plenty of incredible tools to keep the masses under control and this one is far older so i, I will i will put that aside as had to say that vance for you cuz i think that's what you would have said and if i'm wrong well you should have been here so that's your fault secondly <laughs> i do think that there is something to the the why has it existed for so long why do we as a species cling to this and setting aside the 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 tool of control which it can be used for but setting that aside mm-hmm. for just the person that picks it up to study it whatever man, whatever woman, whatever child is somewhere that just picks it up with the with the desire or the pursuit in their mind of, I want to figure this out, or at least figure something out, or at least find some truth. What is that? That part of, I think most of us, if not all of us, why do we strive for this truth? Why do we want... I mean, hell, why was the Bible written in the first place? I can't imagine it was written day one to control societies thousands of years from now. Yeah. The person that sat down and wrote it wasn't like, I'm going to help George W. Bush keep his followers in line because they're going to believe it. You know, and I picked Bush because I'm not even going to go into modern day politics. I'm just picked an old guy. Just get over it. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Move along. Whoever first wrote it or the first people to write it, all that. Why? Why was there a desire? And on every, and multiple different continents, multiple different species or, or not species, but multiple different societies all have their own version of this. Why does everybody have their own version of this? Yeah. Why are we all aiming at this one thing? Man, that's I, the biggest question to me. I think you could make the argument. I think you could successfully make the argument that it is used to control vast amounts of people. I think that's a totally fair argument. But I think vast amounts of people want to be controlled. And there are a subset of people that like to find ways to, to leverage that power. And so you, well, you just, you end up with a faction of people that want to be rulers that will use whatever means necessary to rule over a a large number of people. I, I I don't think that's, that's not unique to Christianity or to the Muslim faith. If the Bible didn't exist, there would still be dictators. Yeah, I've argued that against Vance. Vance and I have gone toe-to-toe many a time, screaming at each other. I'm like, I just don't believe that if you remove religion, people are better. I I still think they're assholes. That's going to happen. If the Bible didn't exist, COVID existed. And your (laughs) position on COVID, regardless of the position you come from, became a religious pursuit for a huge majority of people. It where con in between yeah, everybody for three years that's all was, you heard about was mm-hmm. this is my position and here's all this evidence that i have for why the other side is wrong there, there is no yeah. difference to me in that sort of dogmatic approach and the dogmatic yes. approach of a blind Dude. believer and that's the issue with any subsect of society i don't care what it is religion even if it's just sports People that are willing to kill over sports teams. Like there right. have been NFL murders in parking lots. It's the same style person. I think if you remove religion, that person still clings to something regardless of what it is. So I, I think, think that's right. Page. Yeah, I, I really do. So can I ask then, how, how long – was there ever a point in time where you at least personally said or thought, I do not believe in God? Was that ever a, a period in Tanner's life? I mean, even if it was just for a moment, has that ever – have you ever like actually said that or thought that? I think for the large majority of my adulthood, where I would classify myself as an adult in the way that I think, I have questioned whether or not there is a God. I think that has always been the case for me since reaching adulthood. Um, I think that 
never did it reach the point where I reached a conclusion that there is no God. I don't. So the short answer to your short question would have been no, I never reached that point. But I also, to me, the pursuit is kind of the point. Like it, there's a, I don't know who it is that asked this question. It's one of the, one of these podcasters that always asks people that he's interviewing, what is the meaning of life? And it, it's kind of a, kind of a dumb, sort of a hokey question. But when you really sit and ponder it, when I sit and ponder it, the meaning of my life is the pursuit of that question. Because I don't think you ever really fully reach the answer to that question. I, I think you you sort of bump into the walls and you recognize a little bit of light over here that's worth pursuing. So you run that direction and you continue to bump into walls. But to me, a meaningful life is one spent in pursuit of meaning. It's not that you ever reach. For me, up to this point in my life at 36, I haven't reached this monumental point in my life where I can say that is the day and the time that I recognized what the meaning of my life was and it made everything else easy. To me, it's the constant pursuit of making myself better, making my little sphere of influence with my family as good for them as possible and taking that responsibility as seriously as possible. And then seeing that influence grow and being able to then affect more people. And like, to me, the pursuit of that concept is the whole point. So I love that to not end up with some sort of a, of a framework that would, that would force me to acknowledge that I'm not the central point of my own life, that there is a more powerful thing than me the only path that I go down is nihilistic when I don't have that, that yeah. constant uh, reminder that I'm, that I answer to a higher order person or principle. Does that make sense? Interesting. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In your mind, does that higher order have levels? Is there something above us, you and me, but not the highest thing? Or is it just one above us is God? Or is there potentially layers or levels or, or you know, different, dare I say different deities, but, you know, it, is there something between us and the biggest in your mind? And obviously there's no, I, you have no way of proving this. I'm just curious what it, as of right now, do you think it's just us and then one up or we are in a chain of, yeah. of you know, command, I guess, for lack of a better word? Man, I think as far as we know, I don't, I don't think anybody would argue at this point. As far as we know, we are the most um, evolved, if you want to look at it that way, or complex species there is on the planet. That we know, yeah. We have self-consciousness, which I don't know many other species that, that have a consciousness where it's provable that, you know, the, yeah. the, the I think, therefore I am quote. I, I think we're the most advanced in terms of that whole concept of consciousness. So to answer your question, is there something between us and that ultimate higher power? I can't imagine what that would be because I don't think there, I don't, I don't look at the human species and think that there is a human that maybe has transcended and now they're mm. on a higher order. I, I think that is an individual pursuit. So, you know, comparing myself where I'm at, with my pursuit of God and to think there's some middle layer there for me to achieve. It's, I don't think that's a real productive exercise. So no, I don't, I don't think so, Joe, I don't think there's something in between there. Could be wrong. So no shit. Yeah. I mean, there's no facts. I got nothing, but yeah. would you then, I mean, what about like angels? Do you believe that that, 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 that you know, angels, demons, and any of you know, God's foot soldiers or, or whatever that, that type of, a, and again, these are all metaphors from our childhood, but yeah. that style does that, I mean, because I'll admit it's that, that is, that's, a, we're getting very ethereal at this point. But yeah. That, it's odd for me to try to, to try to picture that, but obviously I can't prove one way or the other. Just your guess. What, what do you think? Maybe that's a wishy-washy answer, but I don't, <laughs> my only, like, I, I'm trying to think of my own personal literal experiences where I would have been led to believe that there is something like that. 
I don't have any personal experiences where I feel like I've been moved by an angel where it wasn't just a direct nudging from the creator himself. That's like my, my most, um, personal experiences with a, a higher power. I have felt like they were coming directly from a source, which is, is whimsical and woo woo to say, but that's, it's sort of been my experience. I, I have, <laughs> I, I had not been a real big believer in ghosts for the longest time. And then Ashton and I had a ghost experience that was kind of unsettling. And so there, there may be a spiritual realm there that's just outside of our ability to comprehend, but I don't know that I would consider that a higher, a higher order consciousness or a higher order entity than we are. Interesting. Yeah. I don't I've know. Never, though, I've man. never given a lot of thought to ghosts. You don't I have to either. give the full story, but something happened like in your house. No, it was at the Driscoll Hotel in Austin. The Hell short, yeah. Yeah, yeah, some of the best bacon in Texas. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, we didn't know this going into it, but Ashton hosted an event there. We we spent our wedding night there, so we had a history with the Driscoll that was really positive, and we were excited to go back. She had this event she was hosting, and we were going to stay there for two nights. And the first night, we woke up and there was a thing floating over us. You know, we're in a the old part of the hotel that has like. 20 foot ceilings or 15 foot ceilings yeah, yeah. and we're laying in the bed and there's something up by the ceiling. That's obviously a human form with a face that's looking down at us. And we both saw it and it wasn't like a, like a, you know, we're both having the same dream. We, I woke up, saw it, nudged her, woke her up. She saw it. We both had the exact same experience the next day and explaining it to each other. So it, something like that would, would cause me to believe that there is, there is definitely another realm that we're just not privy to most of the time, but that's really as far as I've pondered that particular experience. That's fair. When was this? I mean, last year or two? No, it would have been 20, I don't know, probably 2012, 2013, something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's wild. My, that's wild. It was weird, <laughs> man. A bad joke. It was really weird. We we went, she went to an event the next day and she told her boss about it. And her boss, I guess, had a conversation with the GM of the hotel and the GM of the hotel came up to Ashton and was like, Hey, are you okay? Tell me what happened. And he said, yeah, you know, we're, we're actually known as one of the most haunted places in the country. And so we went and did research on it. And that part of the hotel is where people tend to have the most experiences like that. So I don't know. That's a, a long way to sort of meander through an answer to your question, but no, that's it. My, uh, just a random left turn. But my dad used to, during the, the session during the Texas legislative session, he used to do a breakfast there for senators and, and people and whatnot, like every Monday and Wednesday or whatever. So like I, I used to go mm. all the time as a kid and like all that. And like, it, it's wild that they, cause like, yeah, it, it's definitely an old creepy kind of hotel or whatever, but yeah. I was going to make a joke that it was probably my dad, but he wasn't dead yet in 2012. <laughs> so it wasn't him. <laughs> but no, I, I do want to, I want to circle back the idea because I, I can't stop. I, I loved the the idea that that the pursuit is is almost the point that that your life can't you you couldn't possibly at any point in time come to a finality conclusion or at least I wouldn't want to. So so because man, I love that. Would you then? Would you want then? If there was a way, I've asked this to a couple people before. If there was a door you could open that shows you all of the truths about is there an afterlife, what is God, What is, is there God, all of the things, is there actually evil in, in, in the world, any and all questions that you would ever have about anything like that, there's a door in front of you. Mm. Do you open that door? No. Same. I don't know that I would want, because then what do you do? I, yeah. I, I enjoy the pursuit. In fact, I like that you brought up uh, the, the Terrence McKenna's theory earlier, how we were just monkeys and we discovered those mushrooms on, on cow patties in the fields of Africa, which yeah. is a, a very entertaining theory to me. But then uh, to take it one step further, I really like Terrence's work, but I like another guy named Alan Watts. Very similar theories. They're both back in the 70s. But Alan Watts has a, a theory about life that, that life is like a song. And it's not just the last note. It's mm. not the big finale, the big crash, because if so, all songs would be six seconds. 
You would mm. just play a couple notes and then have a big fit. It's about dancing through the whole song. It's mm. about playing through the whole song. And yes, the, the end might be great, but if you miss all of it running up to that end point, then you've missed it completely. Yeah. Would you say that that's kind of how your view of, of the pursuit of God lately is starting to form? That you don't even necessarily want to be done, but you do want to pursue it. I don't think there is a done so hmm. I, I think anybody that reaches the point of done automatically turns into dogma. Dude. Right. Because what, if you're done, then what are you doing now? Right. If, if you're saying you were the one that was capable of getting the final answer by age, whatever, well, so what do you do for the next 30 years? Four yeah. years? Like you just... I, I also, I think too, that the, like the, on your question of would I open that door or not in some sense, the fact that we are limited makes the pursuit much more meaningful than it would be if you just had an automatic answer to the question. So a, mm. an example of this would be like to have a limitation makes the, um, makes the thing better in a certain sense. It, it, an example of that would be with your kids where I, I heard, I don't remember who it was that talked about this, but, he talked about how if you if you were able to make your kid indestructible, parents worry about their kids, right? You don't want your kid to fall down and get hurt. You don't want them to get hurt by other kids. So if you could make your kid as safe as possible, you'd make them 15 feet tall so they wouldn't get stepped on by other people. You would make them from iron and concrete so they couldn't get broken. You would give them a a spirit that was unbreakable where you couldn't hurt their feelings, where a kid couldn't bully them into being self-conscious. You would add all of these layers of armor to them and they would cease to be a, a child. They would cease to have the magic of a child because you've removed all of the, the risk there, all the limitations there, man, there's something beautiful about those limitations. It makes it worthy of the sanctity that you, you, or the, the preciousness of children is the fact that they are these limited small things that you are required to protect as much as you can. And that's the, the, the fun for lack of a, the fun part is the challenge. The, yeah. I mean, and that's true for all of us life in general. Like if I was, you know, eight feet tall and made of metal, I would be an asshole. Yeah. If I had no repercussions and no ability, no chance of a repercussion, it would make me, I mean, a monster or a robot or a right. You need limits. Robots. Well, it's like, and for a much worse metaphor, because I like that one way better than what I'm about to say, because I'm hatching this as I think about it. <laughs> it's like a video game. If you sit down and you are able to tweak your character in a video game to where they can't be harmed and you have infinite life and infinite, all the thing, or, or like a sports game, which I used to do, I would make myself 99 speed and 99 catching and 99 and I'd win every game by a hundred. Yeah. What? And you That's lose interest. That's exactly right. Yeah, Instantly. I exactly never, I played right. a couple times like, well, this is silly. Yeah. If it's, if there's no challenge and there's no, if there's no risk, then there's no game. Then there's Jordan really Peterson no... said that to, to Joe Rogan one time on a podcast. And I thought it was exactly, it was exactly accurate where he said, okay, I, I do this with my graduate students a lot. I'll say, all right, let's play a game. Would you like to play a game? Yes. I'd like to play a game. Okay. You go first. <laughs> and that was it. No rules. No, no outlining of what the game is. You just make a move and then I'll make a move without that framework, without those limitations wrapped around something, it ceases to be meaningful. It ceases to be something that the human species wants to pursue. So I circling this back to the topic of God, I don't think we ever could know for sure, for certain what was behind the door. I, I just don't, yeah. I don't think it's possible for us to know that. And anybody that says they are is selling a book about it, right? You've heard that Believe it, yeah. sort of thing. So yeah, the fact that we are limited in that respect forces you to go through this exercise of pursuit of something. And you, whether you're pursuing the sort of evolution, we, we just ended up here by chance, you can end up dogmatic going that direction. Or you're pursuing faith and, you know, this is my you know, I'm following Christ and this is the right way. You can end up dogmatic going that direction and you cease to pursue. Mm -hmm. That I think is a big danger. The, 
if at any time you you actually either are trying to lie to other people or are lying to yourself that you that you know the answer, then there's almost no point. It's almost over. That's right. It's it's like spoilers. I mean, literally, it's like spoilers. You would never walk into a movie and have somebody, the guy sitting next to you, be like, "Hey, just so you know, like the last five minutes, this, this, and this, and the main character dies." She's like, well, cool. I don't want to watch this movie anymore. Exactly. Like right. that, there's that. It, it's man. So there's it's a weird balance then, because I I, I do want to know but then i also don't want to know like i would almost be scared i mean i i it's not that i wouldn't open the door because i'm scared because that part of me would that part of me does want to know but like yeah to your point what like you open the door what if you can't comprehend it what if it just ruins like yeah Yeah. that's that's going down a whole separate thing well no that's that's worthy of that's worthy of the question though because you could say that you would want to know But to what end, right? Like if, yeah. if, if knowing the answer to that question forces you to cease in your pursuit of becoming better or of pursuing that truth, it's objectively worse in my opinion. Yeah. Because you it stop your momentum, you off. stop your progression. Well, and here's here's a, I was going to try to work this when Vance and Eric were here because I, I would be willing to bet you and Eric might be very similar. Might I'm not going to speak for him because again mm. I've been wrong almost every time I have. What if? And this this is this is uh, go with me. What if it's possible for people to have different answers, but still all be right? And here's what I mean. And go with me here. We, my kids and I, my wife, mostly, mostly my wife, because I wouldn't have ever started this on my own. We got a butterfly thing. It, it, they mail you a bunch of little like pupas and like you like kind of add like these dropper things to them. And then you put them in like a little case and eventually they evolve into the, the larval stage and the whatever stage and eventually become butterflies. And then you take them out of that little cage. You know, your kids watch them every day, watch them grow and the, the cocoons and all the things. And it's great. And then you take them out and you set them free in your backyard after a couple of days after you've looked at them all. Now. Those butterflies, they fly to a bush and they meet different butterflies. And they say, hey, how were you born? Mm. One butterfly says, oh, my mom, you know, she put me over here in a cocoon or I was a you know, caterpillar from my mom's birth and they put me over there and then I, I formed into a chrysalis in that little bush here and then, you know, and then I, I grew in a butterfly. How about you? And then these guys say, well, I was born in a lab, uh, obviously created by humans because they don't know what we are, but they just see us from day one, from the, from the day they emerged as a their story of the beginning of life compared to the other butterfly story of the beginning of life are vastly different. Mm. One is completely controlled by a creator, literally me. I was adding these weird things, like the little stuff to their, and all this, and I was doing it, me, creator. They think I'm their creator. The other butterflies think it was totally random. I don't know. Both are right. Is it possible that the end stages of life, where there is a God or there isn't a God, or there is afterlife or there isn't afterlife, what if what if both Vance and I are right? That I think there is, he thinks there isn't. What if we're both right? Is that, and I, again, I don't know how to justify that or, or, or make that even make sense in my head. I cannot coalesce the two. But the more I press into it, the more I think that it might be possible that just one answer is not the only answer. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose by by observing your analogy with the butterflies, the butterflies end up with a different experience of how they entered the world. And they both ended up butterflies. However, the actual forces that led them to go from chrysalis to caterpillar to butterfly to now Mm -hmm. ending up in that bush, even though one saw it differently, there was no difference. You're right. They both went through the those actual physics were the same. They yeah. were the same. And in some sense, Joe, I don't know that, you know, man, it's hard to, it's hard to say that one person's opinion and another person's opinion that lead them to the same conclusion could both be right. Or one of them is right. And one of them is wrong. Cause in some sense that you're never going to answer that question. And there are a lot of questions that you should be asking leading up to that, that are probably worthy of pursuit. But man, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know that just because you believe one thing and I believe another and we both end up at the same place that it means that 
you know, we're both right. It may be that we both went through the exact same process to get here. You just have a different vantage point because your experience was different. Hmm. But at a bedrock level, there's no difference between your reality and mine. Hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah. What What if a lot of the, the religious debates were really just parsing semantics? A lot of this really might be we actually believe the same things, most of us, even even someone that considers themselves a, a, a Christian or an agnostic or an atheist. There's a good chance that we probably actually agree on most of it. Well, we just, okay. We haven't but, learned how to phrase it correctly. Yeah, let's talk about where I disagree with that. Because I think okay. that that in, in some in a way that sort of gets to the root of this question of why I would believe that there is a God. If you look at what the result is for, I won't even say most people. If you look at the fruit that the person bears as a result of their truth in air quotes, I would argue that you don't find many people that have a um, marked change in their life when they find atheism. Hmm. You find you find stories of people all the time that were mired in whatever hell they had built for themselves. Addicts, hmm. you know people that were destitute and really had no hope and reached this conclusion of I'm going to either die with this or something's going to have me have to bring me out of it. Atheism fails that person. I don't think you find meaning in a conclusion reached that you are here by chance and that there's not some higher power that you have an, an answering to. I think you find a meaning that can cause an absolute left turn in your life and, and save you from death unless you're pursuing that higher power. I just, so if you look at the, the fruit that each branch of that argument bears, one of them bears fruit. One of them doesn't seem to. I'll give you that. So at a, at a I, very hard to argue. <laughs> At a utilitarian level, this is, man, there are so many things in my life that I make a decision based off of utilitarianism. Like if I can, okay, an example of this would be if the government is getting too big and we're headed for World War III, well, then what I need to do is get out of town, buy a place in the country, plant a garden, you know, have a little bit of extra food and water set aside be self-sufficient, know how to raise my family without having to be, you know, relying on a, a lot of other people. Whether I'm right about that assumption that the world is ending or whether I'm wrong, that pursuit, the decisions that I make that lead me that direction still are worthy of pursuit. I still end up better than I would have been otherwise, whether I'm right or wrong about the world ending. So there's a utilitarian element to that, that it's better for me to to pursue those things because they're going to be good for me. Even if the world doesn't end, I still want to live in the country. I still want to have a yeah. garden. I still want to raise yeah. animals. You know, I still want to raise my kids in that environment. I think you can make the exact same case for faith that hmm. whether there is a God or not, it seems to me to be that the pursuit of a higher power reliably produces an objectively better result for the person that's doing that pursuing. Hmm. So it's at a very fundamental level, it's utilitarian to pursue it that way. Yeah. It's not the ends justify the means. It's that the means of getting to the end are worth doing. Yeah. Even if I'm wrong, like let's yeah. say, let's say the worst the case it, it literally is just the means. Exactly. The worst case scenario is in my pursuit of God, is that I spend a lot of time weighing my decisions, consulting a higher power that doesn't exist, but really reckoning with what I'm doing with my life and trying to make it objectively better than it would have been otherwise. And the worst case scenario of that is I'm wrong, I die, I turn into dust, 
and then we just evolve into something else. Hmm. If that's the worst case scenario, the utilitarian in me goes, well, then I can either not believe those things and not pursue those things and end up nihilistic and be a, a, a piece of shit, frankly, because <laughs> that's where it goes for me. Or yeah. I can pursue something that's meaningful and acknowledge that there's things that are that are more powerful than me in this world and end up in a better place than I would have otherwise. I like that. And I, I want to flesh out the potentials for, again, just trying to think of the devil's, devil's advocate here. I could, I can easily hear an argument to be made that there are some people that would be better off without the Christian God, uh, for example, homosexuals. Mm. And I, I can imagine that, but what I would, what I think you're saying, just to try to try to make the the most piece of this, is that the God you believe in, or the God that anyone would out there would 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 try to find, is not a God of hate. It's not a God that that says you can't be this or you can't be that. And I and I think it would be easy to say that oh well, you know, certain people you know have have become depressed because of the church. That's not what you're saying. I know that the church can become dogmatized. I know that any group, religious or not, can become dogmatized. I mean, there, I have argued with atheists that say that certain things have to be, and that if you're, if you're already going to be there, even hippies, I've been in hippie circles where they said certain things and, and, and an extent, to an extent, life has to be a certain way, otherwise you're doing wrong. And that's all fine. You're allowed to believe that. But it, it, what you're saying is, I mean, really, what you're saying to, to pursue God, I think what I'm, I'm hearing you say, is really to pursue yourself. You're really fleshing out your own mind, your own soul, and, and where you or I might have come from in whatever connection we have to whatever deity that may be. Not the idea that the rules and laws of, again, we'll just pick Christianity, but all of them have rules and laws that are overreaching. Not to be weighed down by that. Not to be weighed down by trying to conform or make yourself into somebody you're not if church isn't good for you. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Leave the church. But to, to strive for the knowledge of who you are and what God might be. That seems to be worth pursuing. Is is that long-winded attempt? <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, I think where I where I would disagree with that as my position is I think that the rules and the laws that are contained in something like the Bible are there to create the limits that end us up in a better place than we would have otherwise without them. I, I don't, I don't, I would not go so far as to say that you know, the, that I'm looking for my version of this, whatever's going to work the best for me, because if I'm left Ooh. to my own devices to try to figure out what's best for me, I often don't end up in a place that's better for me because so, I, because I, I make decisions based off of comfort and based off of what feels good and what lazy keeps me lazy. from having to go through strife. Right. Yeah. And the reality of my life, at least up to this point, has been that the most meaningful things in my life that I would define as meaningful, man, they have struggled wrapped all through them. But that's part of what makes them meaningful. It's how you grow. It's how you grow. And I like, okay, so to make the argument that it may be better for a homosexual to not live in a Christian way, I'm not even sure that that's true. Because if you believe in the truth of the Bible, be it metaphorical truth or literal truth, you would have to acknowledge that all have sinned. And if you would look at something like homosexuality through the lens of living in sin, man, we all live in sin. Hmm. I do daily. And it's not that to me, the, the hardest things in life, the ones that end up being meaningful later on require a constant reckoning, even the things that go completely against what my knee jerks to what I want to be doing. It's, it's often the case that the things that I would really want to do that would seem to me like the right decision to make when I zoom out far enough, ultimately are not the right decision. And I end up having to go through some pain to course correct. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, I had a, a, uh, a preacher in Austin at a church that we went to that did this, this whole course on 
tough questions. Did, did you and I talk about this? We may have talked about this. I don't think so. Okay. He did this whole series of sermons on tough questions, and he basically would allow everybody in the church to submit questions, and then you could go and upvote questions that you wanted to hear him preach on. And what happened naturally was the toughest questions became the ones that he would preach on. And so, you know, there was one that was about killing yourself medically. There was one about abortion. There was one about gay marriage. There, there were all, I mean, really, really tough topics yeah, for all the heavy hitters. Yeah. And for a, a pretty renowned preacher to, to go through that series, it, it was, I had a lot of respect for him because you knew these are, these are topics that are tough to dance around yeah. and on, on the, the topic of gay marriage specifically, his, his answer in this sermon has become sort of a pillar of my life in all the things that I recognize as meaningful. This pillar is present. His answer was, okay, so the, the, the question fundamentally was, if you had a gay couple in your church, would you marry them at the church? Would you perform the ceremony at the church? His answer was, the foundational principles of the church, based on biblical principles, would prevent me from marrying that couple at the church they would not prevent me from going to their house afterwards and having cake hmm. and how he explained it was that as a christian you are called to live in the tension between your convictions and your compassion because you could be all convictions and not be able to reach somebody without compassion or you could be all compassion and not be able to position somebody based on your convictions and that whole whether you believe in whether you agree with that concept or not yeah yeah that's, that's not my point my point in, the, in saying that is there's this tension point between two ideals that is the hardest place to live in because it requires constant analysis and constant yep. course correction when you realize you've done yes. it wrong the easiest the easiest way for me to explain that in my own life is on one hand i've got Tanner, the dad, the husband, the family guy. And on the other hand, I have Tanner, the CEO of the company. And those two things in terms of the time and energy spent are mutually opposed to each other. When I'm spending time as dad and husband, I'm not spending time on the company. When I'm spending time on the company, I'm not spending it as dad and husband. And it'd be very easy for me pursuing my own truth or my own way of living I can make a case that Tanner, the husband, Tanner, the dad gets all of the energy because I've built this company and it runs pretty well independent of me. I don't have to be there day to day to, to make decisions. And, you know, that's why we built the company so that I could spend time with the family. I could make that case very, very easily. And it would make all of my decisions super easy to make <laughs> a lot easy, yeah. easy button deluxe. Nope. I'm not doing that because it's not, giving time to my family. Mm -hmm. I could also make a case. On the other hand, my wife is a mom. She stays at home with the boys. We built this company. I'm the sole breadwinner and this is the way that we make money. Therefore, all of my energy needs to be spent as CEO of the company hmm. and completely neglect the stuff at home. But the reality is I, the, the place for me to live is in the tension between those two things. And the reason that most people don't live that way is that it's freaking hard, man. It's yeah, it's tiring. There is no panacea. There's no way for yeah. me to go to my calendar yeah. on Monday and block half of my time as dad and half of my time as CEO and have it be perfect mm -hmm. because some weeks, man, I got to neglect live Oak. I got to neglect the company. I got to spend all my time with the family and some weeks. Sorry, Ash, you're going to have to take care of the boys this week because I, I am, neck deep and stuff at, at the company. And so it, it requires this constant evaluation, constant acknowledging where I screwed up. Oh, I've been spending too much time at home. The company needs more attention from me and a constant course correcting. Each of those things is like a little miniature death. <laughs> it's tough, dude. It's tough. It's tough. But yeah. man, therein lies meaning to me, Joe. I like that. I have to say just for the record, all love is love. You should marry anyone if they say they love each other. But that's to the side. I love – I mean, he's allowed to believe what he wants to believe. 
And yeah. he clearly, this, this pastor, clearly believes the one thing, but is also willing to at least olive branch it afterwards, is still not willing to dismiss the humanity afterwards. And it, I, I like the the metaphor for what it is. I like it a lot. I disagree with, obviously, you're, if you're gay, be gay. You, that, you love whoever you want to love. But that's a different thing. We're not doing that now. I do like that. The idea that tough choices pull you in different directions all the time and to stay in the middle of that as opposed to just defaulting one or the other. Right. Defaulting to, for your, from your you know, example, defaulting for Tanner the dad all the time, eventually the company would crumble. I mean, right. wouldn't, would it be tomorrow? No, you've built a good company. Would it be 20 years? Fucking maybe. And you don't want to do that. So you have to, but if you spend all the time on the other side, your family's got. So like, that is a great way to view life with regards to tough decisions is that not every tough decision can just be made with the same answer as last time and yeah. it's going to be fluid it's going to be it's going to be messy shit's going to be yeah. <laughs> real real messy and that's living just, in that's the tension is a really a really important concept to wrap your head around i i, like I, 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 like I try very hard to talk to my my oldest boy about that concept he, he's still too young to fully grasp it but man that uh that concept of tension pops up so frequently in my life and it always pops up in a meaningful context there's something going on here that really requires my full attention and i have to grapple with the tension that's on one side is pulling me this direction on the other side is pulling me this direction and i have to land somewhere in between it's Heck it's yeah. uh it's good it's a good concept to keep in mind i absolutely love it and unfortunately the tension that's pulling me is to get back to work i hate that we have to end this <laughs> here bro this is this an hour just flew by yeah um with or without Vance and E, I, let's do this again, brother. This was totally. I enjoyed this immensely. Yeah, dude, man, I enjoy immensely. it. I enjoyed Heck it yeah. a lot. Let's Heck do it yeah. again. And honestly, it's just good seeing you, bro. It's it's been a long time, and I'm glad to hear you doing well. Yeah, same, Joe. Heck yeah, man. But seriously, we'll do this again. And uh, yeah, shit, I'm watching the emails pile up. Gotta love it. Thank you, <laughs> Sounds bro. Sounds great. See you, Joe.